Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, folks, welcome back to this Mount Mustwire football podcast. We might mix a little hoops today. It's been a second since we've been around. Apologies for that. But mwire.com is where you can find all of our written stuff about uh, spring football, next year's schedule release. We still had a couple things on that coming out. Again, we're now a Go Aztecs basketball podcast, Matt, since San Jose State unfortunately lost in the CBI today, as in, say, March 20th, Monday, 2023. Hmm. Were you not aware of the Spartans losing? Did I disappoint something? Disappoint you? <laughs> I mean, it was mildly disappointing because I I did see something they got upset by Radford, right? Yeah, what's a Radford? <laughs> I mean, Radford's been to the tournament once or twice, haven't they? They have, yes, they have, yes. <laughs> but I think it was fair to say that the Spartans were were favored in this CBI contest, right? I don't know who's favored or not. Apologies. <laughs> not taking that deep of a dive, are you? I know somebody on Twitter forked out the twenty nine ninety nine for Flow Sports to watch the first round victory for over. I want to say Southern. Oh yeah, Indiana. that's uh, Matt Weiner over at the Spear, right? I believe yes, it was Matt Weiner. I couldn't think of the name at the moment, but yeah, that makes dedication sense. to the craft. That's all I'm going to say. I should reply. Just get expensed, man. Come on, that's probably what's going to happen. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, they're out. Aztecs. Um, hey, Sweet Sixteen playing Bama on Friday. They get to play Bama finally. That's good for them. Number one overall seed, Alabama. It'll be tough. It will be tough. Yeah. I mean, not knowing any, not knowing that much about college basketball, admittedly, um, I, I have to imagine anytime you're uh, up against the number one overall seed, it's going to be a tough draw no matter what. But, I mean, you look elsewhere across the landscape in the first few days of the tournament, it mm-hmm. seems like it's He's wide out. open. Very wide open. We'll talk to our buddy um, AJ Spur at Roll Bama, or sorry, Bama Wire. Excuse me. We'll do a Q and A. And Matt, I'm very glad you don't know much about Alabama. Alabama, unless you know about the uh, controversy of a uh, um, what? What's the best way to put it? Because I'm not gonna dive deep into it because it's not necessary. Didn't, didn't like Brandon Miller kill someone or was like he, partially responsible for someone getting killed? Yeah, so let's let's get proper phrasing here. <laughs> he did not physically do anything to a particular person. Short version, Google it, but be careful. But also, there's some as for there's a, a murder involved, tragically, unfortunately, where as far as I know, I've seen a few things here that I haven't I've I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak anything that's inaccurate, but there's um somehow he may or may not have known knowingly provided a weapon, a gun to somebody. So it's not entirely uh, sure if it's like, okay, hey, yeah, that's it, much different. <laughs> so it's not like, hey, dude, go get my gun at my house and bring it to me. There's, there's been parts where, oh, hey, bring me my car, or hey, buddy, there's a problem. Come meet me here. And there may have been a gun in the vehicle he drove over there. Something somewhere along the lines of potential him may or may not have his knowing. Well, let me rephrase this: his no, knowledge of the weapon that killed a, a female. Not entirely, not his. However, the, somehow it went from him meeting somebody and there was a gun available to the guy who wanted, whether it's in the car or something like that, that he brought the buddy's car over or his car or, or a vehicle 
I'm not even sure who's it was. Some along those lines. So he did not physically do anything. Mm-hmm. So there's some controversy around Alabama. So it's for why he's playing. Tech, some people say it's technicality within the state law because if you're in one state, it could be this or that because there are stricter rules. Accessories essentially is kind of what his uh, alleged involvement is within this about where a gun end up at. He met a buddy somewhere. There's a gun that was brought knowingly or unknowingly, as far as I know, and that was used to uh, cause harm. So there's a lot going on, and that's probably a poor way to put it, but that's the situation in, in a short term. And the basketball front, which is a, that's a hard turn. I'm sorry to make that hard left turn there about that, but Aztecs haven't been Sweet 16 in a while, and we'll have a Q&A, which will not include that because it's hard to talk about that stuff when it goes on, and I don't know enough about it to ask proper questions. Mm-hmm. So we kind of dove in here, but... You know what though? Those, There's a really good reason to root for the Aztecs, and that's that's Western. because if they do well, not only that, but if they do beat Alabama, <laughs> there's the potential for a revenge game from last year's matchup because uh, uh, they got bounced by Creighton in last year's tournament, did they not? Yeah, in the first round, yeah, they did because they could potentially play the winner of Creighton and um somebody Princeton. Oh, oh, Princeton, bring on the Smarty Pants! I'll play the Tigers. Why not? There you go. And they play, if you're wondering, they play Friday at uh, 3.30 Pacific on TBS. First game of the day. Yeah, and I mean, I think the other thing is, too, like, I forget who put it out there. I I, I saw the stat, and I'm pretty sure I retweeted it on on our Twitter account, at MWC Wire. Um, But I did see something about how, you know, the Aztecs and their performance on defense in particular has really been the thing that's put them over the top. Um, I, I forget who put the stat out there, but it was that um, in their last three games, you know, going back, I think, to uh, what was it, the championship game, I think, against Boise State, that they, or was Utah State, excuse me, that they held the Aggies, Furman, and the College of Charleston to like their lowest point totals of the year in the last three games. They play defense on football and basketball. It's been impressive. Like, I don't know, like I said, I don't know anything about college basketball, but just having watched, you know, the Mountain West over the last couple of weeks, like that's the thing, that's one of the things that's really stood out to me is the way the San Diego State has played defense. So I think they're going to have a shot. It's going to be a really good game. Yeah, check it out. It should be good. So that's our basketball talk. We'll have more stuff from our hoops guys this week. But now we're getting to football because that's what we typically do here. We're going into, there's two things we're going to do. We're going to start by wrapping up spring football for the, Three teams that have finished, I should say. Let us let me rephrase that a bit. And there's teams that are ongoing. We're going to talk about Hawaii, who finished, New Mexico, and Air Force. So we got all, I think everybody is, is this, Matt, everybody technically in progress at the moment outside of those three that finished? Uh, not necessarily. Um, Colorado State was supposed to start tomorrow on Tuesday, the 21st, but they pushed back to Saturday. Um, so they start this coming area. weekend. Uh, we're recording on March 20th, of course. And then I believe San Jose State is the other one that hasn't gotten on way yet. They don't get started, I think, for another couple weeks. Okay. Just about everybody. So let's start with New Mexico because they are the one team with a lot of uh, intrigue and interest because of Danny Gonzalez over, basically had to override his staff with uh, Rocky Long leaving to be a defensive coordinator. At another location, was it a? Oh shoot, Syracuse. Is that correct? You finally end up there at the orange. Yes. Okay. I'm so like, wait, that seems like forever ago, which it was. They brought in UAB's interim coach to be the OC. The quarter quarterback from from UAB came into town to presumably take over the the position that has um basically been a rotating door faster than Grandpa Abe Simpson in the meme you see going in and take his hat on hat on and off and leaving the bar or wherever he's at. Mm-hmm. It's Put that at five speed, and that's what you get for the Lobos quarterback situation since multiple, multiple years. So that's the big thing they want. We wanted to find about spring football, and so they want to go fast. They want to do things like that with tempo. And if we looked at what UAB last year went to the uh, conference, uh, yeah, conference title game, they're they have good players there. So bringing the coach who led a team who had been interim, what is he since June? I believe it was. Is that when? When that was situated for UAB, uh, yeah, you're talking about uh, Bill Clark and Brian Vincent. Yeah, yeah, Bill Clark stepped down for air, air quotes back issues. Not to be rude, but it may have been, hey, go somewhere else, dude. For some reason, despite him being awesome, mm-hmm. but they have they had they brought in 
the staff to do things offense, which they haven't done since like Bob DeBose has been there from Sam Easton State, where they're being running the weird offense. But it's too soon to tell. Of how, obviously, there's been no games played, but that's the main focus for Lobos for a while because they've always had players here or there. But quarterback's been the one where if they had like okay quarterback play, not that they'd go like seven wins, but it'd be more competitive and have a few more game, one or few more games the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and you know what most think, of the what, without a ton of video, without stats that were kept from the spring game or anything along those lines, yeah, there isn't a lot of like visual evidence or, or even written evidence to go off of. But, you know, there were at least a few highlights that I remembered seeing, you know, uh, sort of streaming on social media and things like that. So, like, you know, you mentioned Dylan Hopkins, the quarterback, who it seems like he got most of, you know, he saw most of the action under center, him and the other transfer quarterback, D.C. Tapscott, who came in from App State. But did you happen to see the scramble that uh, that uh, Devin Dampier put together? I did not. So what? What I did not catch some of their spring stuff. So what? What are the? What's the positive that we see there? I was I was trying to find it again because I saw it. Like you know, the, the the spring game was about two weeks ago at this point, um, and it was just one of those things where it's like you know, hold up. <laughs> you had to, it was one of those things where you had to like rewind it to make sure that you saw it correctly the first time because you basically like stopped on a dime to make a defender miss before finding a receiver in the end zone for a touchdown. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, you remember that he was, you know, a very highly touted quarterback out of, uh, I believe, Arizona. Um, still only 17 years old. So he's probably not going to see the field this year, especially since they brought in, you know, more experienced options uh, to see most of the playing time in her center. But, you know, that's the kind of excitement that has really been missing from that side of the ball over the last couple of years. But I think more to the point, you know, the fact that Hopkins and Tapscott were able to, you know, connect with, you know, other weapons that were brought in via the transfer portal, you know, Magnus Gears, you know, guys like that, DJ Washington. I think that's an encouraging sign just because, you know, I think maybe more so with New Mexico than just about any other team in the conference, it's really going to be about, you know, you know, in, integrating a lot of new faces in a lot of new places to make the whole thing work while also you're making sure that the holdovers from last year's team are able to develop and take that step forward. So, you know, you see that, you know, Christian Washington, you know, had a, at least one big run, you know, another guy that I'm really interested in seeing a little more of this year is Sherrod White, who, you know, popped here and there last year. And they did all of that, I guess, without at least a trio of starters on defense. You know, the, um, Frank Mercogliano put the recap over on New Mexico's official website. Um, you know, mentioned that Tavian Combs, Ray Lutelli, Alec Marenko were all still rehabbing, didn't play in the game. But it seemed like, you know, a lot of the players, who, especially on defense, who came in from Power 5 programs in particular. So, you guys like Darko Perkins, McAllister, Marvin Covington, you know, those guys got in, got reps, made plays, and, you know, really did a lot to, I think, alleviate some of the concern that there was from the fact that New Mexico was losing a ton on that side of the ball heading into the early part of the offseason. So while there's still a long way to go, obviously you don't want to glean too much from one spring showcase where, you know, nobody's keeping track of anything, really. <laughs> I know, that's tough. But it does seem like, you know, there's a lot to be encouraged by heading into the fall. We would hope so because part of what they have is sort of the unknown a little bit because of new coaches, new new players, new quarterbacks, or whatever quarterback they want to play. So that's mm-hmm. always something to look at when you have a new staff. It's like, okay, no, no film. Depends how they do the spring game. It's coaches are free or control freaks and want to make sure what gets out there gets out there. But one thing that could be even our buddy Roger who just over Mexico is pretty close to the program for over the years for a variety of reasons with uh new mexico there one thing they want to do is like be like the strongest team in the conference like big mm-hmm. this is all okay this is again rosy stuff you want to work spring football not to be like oh we don't we don't know that's the thing but it's also lean toward okay things are looking good here or there but they want to get just it's right here bigger faster stronger which makes sense it's when they hired brought in Derek Derek baker there to, with this team who's working over at san diego state before as their, as their athletic performance uh, director of athletic performance, excuse me, 
mm-hmm. alongside um, David Hall, their strength coach, are coming to take over the job for the Lobos. So, and Aztecs, they pretty physical. Like, look, look at their offensive line. Look at running backs who are pretty strong out. Like, they have their stout defense. So, it could be where New Mexico's finally figured out we got to do the small things to actually get that approved. It's not just having better talent or good coaches or bringing skill players are good. But if you have, because strength stuff could be limited, limiting injuries. It could allow you to obviously stamina, play longer, have your better players play longer, be stronger from your backup through your starters. So you're just, you're just overall better football team from a strength perspective. When you go up against air force wants to pile drive you and cut block you every time when they run the ball 48 times, or if you're going to go up against a team that, that just wants to pound like, I guess Air Force is the best example for running as much as they do, but it just allows you to be more physical against teams that might be smaller or might be better mm-hmm. to go go equipped against the offensive line or defensive line that's really good, like San Diego State or Boise State, or when San Jose State had guys like Cal Harmon last year, all those defenders and they may have a Fajoko back there winning player of the year awards. They could keep up with those type of players, at least strength-wise, and it's going to take a lot of small things for Lobos to get better. But that type of thing, it's like it's not uncommon. Every school wants to do this. And maybe what Danny Gonzalez saw was like it's not working as well. So it brings in this other guy for a program where he's obviously familiar with being at San Diego State before under Coach Long when he was their DC and other position coaching other positions there. It's something that if it works well, hopefully it works. Like it works. That's their main goal. That's what they want to be. Like everything wants to be physical. That's what the coaches want to say. You went up front. But if this works a little bit here or there. Then they bring in the coach, they bring in um, transfer quarterbacks, bring in new coaches, UAB, they bring in new talent from the portal. It'll be like a puzzle piece fitting together. And that conditioning program, hopefully it works and can elevate and get them better to be more competitive because they're honestly not all that competitive. And if this thing helps them 5%, that's on the way upward for them. Yeah. And I think that's especially true on the defensive side of the ball. Like, you know, when they've been at their best, you know, more often than not in program history, it's been because the defense has been physical. And so I do think that, you know, even despite the fact that, you know, they were playing in the spring game without a handful of guys who are, who are going to be expected rightfully. So to be big contributors on that side of the ball, that they were able to generate turnovers that they were able to get to the backfield, which again, for against an offense, that's still very much a work in progress but that you know they were able to you know shore up their ranks you know and and get big days from you know the biggest names that they brought in through the transfer portal in particular that i think is something they could feel a lot better about because that's not always a given that you know a team can hit the the portal hard and then see a bunch of those players you know turn out pan out immediately you know sometimes it's a utah state and sometimes it's more like a like a Colorado state where, you know, the Rams brought in a, a, a bunch of players from last off season and it was very, a very mixed bag. It always is for them because what are you bringing in? Like they're not a great program. Like, sorry to say, but they have one many games. So what are you bringing in? You're right. Like it's, uh, you're bringing the guys who think they can play where they're, Oh, if I go to Mexico, I can play right away because they weren't getting the opportunity at the school. They thought, so maybe they're dropping down. But it just needs to all come together at some point. Transfers, new guys, coaches, strength coach. Uh, Retention is huge as well because that's a big thing as well. Not that this is a spring recap on retention, but they seem to lose guys all the time. So we don't know a lot. So that's why we're kind of like, honestly, generalities a bit here and there. But we do know what they were good and not good at last year. And we do know coaching changes, what what was brought in and what coaches were good uh, other places. So there's reason to think – with these moves, it's Danny Gonzalez is pretty much on the hot seat a little bit this year or next year to show some sort of progression with these changes he made by getting rid of his offensive coordinator during the season and then Rocky Long leaving and having to replace him. And so it's still, again, TBD and what's going to be done, but hopefully with this new system, they pick up quickly and get ready because don't they open the season with Texas A&M or something? Yes. So, yeah, good luck. They're going up against some fighting Jimbo Fishers and um, Adazios as well. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Anything else to add as we move on to, say, the uh, Air Force Falcons? Let's, let's, yeah, let's move on. Good point. So, Air Force, the biggest thing in spring is hey, who's going to be quarterback? Hey, who's going to replace a star fullback, Brad Roberts? 
those are always the uh, those are big things. And typically, it's going to be next guy, and they usually fare pretty well. But when you look historically at Air Force quarterbacks in their first year, they're probably still going to be fine, but they're not going to be, for the most part, like an elite type of continue on from the guy before. So find out mm-hmm. who those position players are, and if they can, it'll be hard to improve that quickly to get up to speed to what guys when they replace like Tim Jackson, when they replace uh, Donald Hammond, Hazik Daniels this past year. So replacing those guys and getting near, near production is tough. But that's for any, almost that's that's not unique to Air Force, Matt. That's like any positional team or any team that has like a elite quarterback or all conference style quarterback and leave like next guy up is probably almost always not going to be as good as that guy. So that's me. That's just not an air force thing. It's a every college football thing. However, replacing mm-hmm. elite guy, with Brad Roberts, that's going to be a problem at least to have a three headed monster to be as good as they were last year running ball with quarterback, running back and fullback. Yeah, it's been, and you know, with the, you know, the updates that have been provided by Brett Bergen of Brett Bergman, excuse me, of the, uh, of the Gazette, it seems like they're going to take their time running through a lot of their options, you know, because of course they still have, um, you know, John Lee Eldridge, the third coming back. Um, and they do have players who saw time sparingly last year, guys like Owen Burke, you know, Sione Angelau, and it seems like you know, a number of those guys are getting the you know, work at the fullback position. Interesting enough, I don't know if you noticed if you noticed this from uh, Bergman's write-up from a few weeks ago. Apparently, they're calling this fullback spot the um, the superback. What's what's up with the brain? I did not see the superback position. Well, apparently, that's just what they're calling the fullback position. That's a lot of pressure on that guy. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I do like the I do like the branding <laughs> superback. It's not bad, but also puts a target like who's your super oh, whatever. You're not super at all. So mm-hmm. was there a reason behind it? Or just because that's what they're doing? Like teams, you got the Aztec position, the linebacker at San Diego State or those whatever random nickname position they have on defense. Was there any particular reason why that was the case? I, you know what? I'm not sure. There was no reason I like it, given. I, I have to imagine it's probably not that much different from like Army calling their tailbacks slotbacks. Hmm. something along those lines okay but i I think the other the other thing that's worth noting in addition to the you know the quarterback competition you know of the three teams that have wrapped up spring ball so far you know the air force did suffer you know one major injury which you know is Mm -hmm. it's not it's not like the biggest name on the defense, but you're know, losing a guy like Ian Castingay, your know, cornerback who's been a multi-year starter, torn ACL. So like he's done for the he's gonna be done for the year, basically. And that's not an insignificant thing because you know, while you know the Falcons are expected to you know be pretty good overall in the defensive backfield, you know, they do return guys like Camby Goff, Trey Taylor, others along those lines. You know, that was going to be one of the things that they really benefited from was having a lot of experience on the back end. And so now all of a sudden, you know, for a unit that was really only going to have to replace a handful of starters, it's just, you know, one more one more hole that, you know, uh, Troy Calhoun and, and Brian Knorr and the rest of that coaching staff are going to have to you know figure out how to replace. Yeah, and also couple with who they lost over the past year anyways. It's not gonna yeah, be like they were already gonna they are, they're already going into 2023 without without guys like you know Ben Sanford, um, you know, other guys along those lines. Like I think overall that side of the ball is still in, in pretty good shape. You know, they they stayed healthy to my recollection, other than losing you know casting game with that serious injury injury. But it's you know, it's one of those things where given the big questions that they have in replacing the quarterback and the fullback that really made their offense go over the last two or three years. You know, that's one of those things where you don't necessarily want to sap that strength too much unnecessarily. So it's going to, it's going to be a really, you know, a little bit more of a tenuous balancing act than I think it would have been otherwise. Yeah. It's going to, it's just tricky when injuries suck all the time, but just like I mentioned graduation and we guys moving on and then expect the guy to be a team leader and poof, he's gone in. I don't know, just an ACL tear sucks because it's obviously the whole season, at least eight months. We're sitting here mid-March, late March. 
it, like he's done. So that's um so that's difficult. So what things are looking for in the scrimmage? So obviously running backs, or I guess sorry, excuse me, super backs is what they're looking for. Um, there are a couple of standouts, like Brent Brigham kind of chronicled kind of what's going on over there. And that's what they need to find is because having the three three headed running back situation with Daniels, Roberts, and um John Lee Aldridge is not it's very rare that's the case at the Academy. Usually there's two and a dis- distant third. Mm-hmm. So if they're finding any positives for new guys coming in to run the ball and do well, that's only could be a net positive net positive out there to figure things out. It's like, okay, maybe this guy can do it. Like it's a Caden few could be a possibility as a guy who came in. Um, it's a, he went to the, apparently the same high school as Jordan Jackson, Kyle Johnson out in the, at the bowl school in Jacksonville, Florida. So maybe there's something there. Interesting. Possibility. Yeah. So that could be a thing. Apparently it's also not that it matters too much. He went to the same school. Mac Jones went to out in Florida. That's the same one. So, so there's whatever you want to make of that a school that produced talent. So there's that type of possibility. He could be a guy coming in to make plays, and he showed up reasonable at the scrimmage. He's also a smaller dude, five foot eight. Which how does that work in this type of offense? If you're running the ball that many times, like no, that's a that's you? a that's a tailback right there. That's Tim McVeigh two point Yeah, that's not super back. No way. <laughs> um, but also one good thing about him is is Fred's played a, apparently a three star recruit coming out, which I didn't realize sophomore, but. In addition to tailback, also slot receiver, which that's actually more Chad Hall type, you would like to think. Maybe McVeigh too. He'd catch those deep passes occasionally. But that I think that would be if you could do that in Air Force in Air Force to be that type of guy who can put him in a slot, do the jet sweep, do the at least be a fake at some level or be part of the triple yeah. option run or and and not necessarily line up in the backfield or maybe he starts in motion either at the slot or the back or the backfield down the QB and just obviously goes in motion to one or the other that just having that wrinkle and that flexibility and that multi-dimensional type of offense will be huge for him. And I'll get him on the field more because air force always has a receiver one or two who he may seriously catch 34 passes, but average 22 yards per catch on the year and like six touchdowns <laughs> something like that. So I don't know if he'd be the guy there, but he'd be another weapon to help find that next receiver. If you have a speed guy who can catch those quick, short passes in addition to running the ball. So that's going to be a, that's gonna be a big deal, and hopefully, he if he shows up and continues to grow, that'd be a just another, just another unit, and excuse me, another cog in the offense to say, hey, this guy can do three things here, and it'll kind of make defense watch him and not just know he's gonna be like a guy in the in the option attack. Mm-hmm. So, did you did you happen to see that last little note in Brigham's write up of the scrimmage? Um, the quarterback thing. Yeah. Sorry. What, um, I. Go ahead with it. I glanced through it earlier, so I don't recall. I'm seeing it now, but I want to read directly. So what do you have thoughts on it? So he he noted that, you know, the, the quarterbacks have spent a lot more time, in, in you know, his exact quote is a large amount of time in the shotgun, which, you know, Brigham noted is something that the team hasn't used regularly since 2018. So they haven't used it, you know, or th- rather they didn't really use it with Daniels and with Daniel, Donald Hammond the third before him. So I'm interested to see sort of how that changes the calculus of what the offense will look like going forward as well. That might impact the speed option, I think, because typically speed option, you obviously, it's a super fast play. You're under center and go right mm-hmm. or left instantly. That's kind of, that's uh that's not out of the, not out of the play, not out of the question, because if say you do, if you ever watch Air Force football, which we do quite a bit of, if they go shotgun, they'll probably go like the T formation, essentially. Uh, well, let me back up here. I think the reason they're doing it because they don't have a true fullback, or excuse me, that super back out there. We need to get our terms proper with this team. If they don't have the Brad Roberts type player, that means they're going away from the fullback dive because how, how many years has Brad Roberts been there? Three years at least minimum with, with significant carries. We're in 2023, mm-hmm. so it's been a minute. Like they've had a fullback there that they've used regularly for a while. That probably means the fullback dive is going away for the most part. Troy Calhoun is switching up his offense to show wrinkles that are different in the past couple of years. It could mean a bit more guard or cent- or guard or tackle pulling a little bit because if you're in the shotgun, it gives more time for those guys to to move whatever they're going to do. If they're going to pull a guard or tackle, that's a possibility. 
if you have in I think with that T formation as mentioned, you full uh, excuse me, tell back left or right, it can mix in some read option. Maybe you think the quarterback can throw a bit more because you give him more time and he can do a more a traditional read option a little bit instead of a triple option or always kind of going directly to the outside. So I think it can bring up a lot of few different things because one that you can run counters, like there's a lot you could do. Like here, a quick example, like you do a, you have the, uh, uh, what's it, the guy who plays going to be slot back and receiver or, or slot back or excuse me, tailback and slot receiver um, through, excuse me, Frey there. Say he's on the outside on play at step receiver. You have two, two backs left and right of the quarterback. Hike the ball. You fake to one of the running backs, which could be an option play, obviously. You imagine him going left or right. He cuts him. He goes in front of the quarterback. He doesn't give it. You have the receiver in motion as the play's going. And so you fake right, and then you go left, and then you still have your triple option where you could toss to the receiver coming in motion. You could still give a handoff to the running back who goes right with you, or the quarterback could go. Hopefully my assessment makes sense describing the play. But it, yeah, actually, that's, so. that's four different things you could do with the ball in the play. A quick handoff to up the line. You got a guy in motion. You could toss it to your left, toss it to your right. You could go up the middle. It could also bring back the awesome shovel pass with shotgun. There, there's a lot of op, a lot of things you can do, and that change could be a byproduct of what the talent is, and also let the talent or lack thereof, or just mixing up the offense with what they used to do the past couple of years to make teams not be as comfortable, because the base offense is going to be running the ball a lot, but it's like. How are they going to run the ball? That's why it's not necessarily a triple option. They call it the run option. It's not Navy. It's not Army. It's not what uh, it's. It's closer to Coastal than it is a than Army, but it's still not quite mm-hmm. as what Coastal did under Jamie Chadwell. But it's still a thing where shotgun and option. Think of what the pistol Chris Alt did. Look what New Mexico did with Debose there. Like there's a lot of different things you can do that are very, very exciting. And Air Force offense, it's something else boring this run the ball, but there's a lot of things they do that are fun. I think that's a a good possibility and a good wrinkle to make this team take advantage of what they have. And not that they're shielding or hiding or masking deficiencies. It's just maybe a little bit, but it's also just changing. So defenses just can't get comfortable what they've done for the past four, four to six years. That makes a lot of sense. Are you a fan of that move though? What do you think about it? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, if you aren't trying new things, if you aren't always trying to, to evolve, like that's, that's more or less the, the history of football. Is like you know when when somebody catches up to something you know whoever comes up with like sort of the next leap forward is you know the team that always maintains its edge which is a, something of a different challenge for a team like the Falcons who you know have certain restrictions working against them permanently but they always seem to find a way around it and so I you know given their track record given Troy Calhoun's track record in particular I would not bet against them figuring it out with all the tinkering that they've been doing this spring. You know what I call them for not they're the anti-Iowa because Iowa doesn't change anything. Boom. There you go. <laughs> they just want 12 points a game and win. All right. And let's move on to Hawaii. Before we get to Hawaii's actual spring football, did you notice the uh, Todd Graham stuff is a kind of uh in the rear mirror now? About I did notice world- that I did notice that it's sort of fizzled out. Yeah. Yeah, third world country that doesn't have Dr. Pepper. That's what really got him fired, I think. Just no <laughs> um, basically independent review. Now? What was that? No rules broken. Did I read that correctly? Yeah, independent review. Hawaii handled the complaints issues surrounding the tumultuous 2021 season of uh, then head coach Todd Graham. 570 page report, Matt. 570 pages. That's a lot of pages. Well, I, ho- I hope they didn't print any copies. At least you double-sided, right? Yeah. <laughs> At least that's like a small forest. Um, the recommendations come out to be you, this College of Sports, the, the consulting company, so they got paid. College Sports Solutions include that UH to, uh, recommends they do a better job communicating about the existing policies and procedures to address complaints from student-athletes. Like, what do they... And also consider creating language in coaches' contracts and establishing standards to address how coaches treat players. Has that not always been there? Does that mean there's a clause that you can go and braid a player? Like, I know it It seems like a given that you shouldn't be over the top in how you uh, discipline where needed toward players or motivate. You would think it's common sense that you wouldn't go over the line. But then again, I'll say it a million times, Matt, football coaches are dumb. 
all they care about is football. And a lot of them don't have, if you hear coaches interviews, a lot of them didn't have good people skills. <laughs> like they're just focused on football and or at least they pretend to, for the most part, if not, they do a great job, but this seems like, how do they come up with something where just communicate better and put stuff in the contract where player, they need to be nice to players or nicer to players, treat them more fair. I mean, I don't know if that's even necessary though, because it seems like the trend anyway is moving away from that kind of thing. Exactly. Like, you know, there, there are other plenty of other successful, like, you know, Troy Calhoun might be cantankerous, but he's not a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, like Craig Bull, maybe there's been talk about him, about the way he reacts to players, their portal exodus the past two seasons. But he's even him seems to change to know that you got to be not like go full on love the like, okay, the dumb term I hate player friendly, but just be conscious of what the situation is and adapt to players now have options and they're not basically stuck there at your whim and blocked from the next four year schedule home state or conference uh, conference teams. Yeah. Like, I mean, there, gotta... there are different, there are more effective ways of communicating. And like that, that really speaks to me as somebody who, whose job is all about helping people communicate more clearly, you know, more effectively, more persuasively, whatever the case might be, you know, that you're seeing a similar kind of trend in, you know, college athletics, I would say athletics as a whole, like every time you see, you know, someone who's going berserk on a sideline, everybody's just sort of rolling their eyes. It's like, okay, well, what are you doing that for in the year 2023? Yeah. It's like with a Jim was a Jimmy Lake slapped a guy in the head, which it was more than that. Apparently people go, like, oh, they got fired just for that in Washington. It was more than that. They weren't winning. There found to be other stuff that were like, there, there's time and place to get in a guy's face. Like, Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? Like my kid recently, he in high school plays on a, a sports team and the, he, even him, like there's a difference between a coach being like upset or mad about the situation. Like, Hey guys do this right. Or do this or yelling. It's not a problem. Getting a guy's face. Isn't really a problem. I feel like getting, it depends how you say it as well. And he had a situation where, he felt the coach was his coach, his coach was kind of loud, anyways, a little bit, not like kind of just a large voice. So he's just kind of vocal quite a bit, but nothing really bad. The worst thing is like, mm-hmm. dude, come on, where it's kind of loud, where he kind of is like frustrated. He there's one day in practice, he felt frustration was a bit more personal toward my kid plan, talked to him about it. And it's like, I go, can you tell the difference when he's just kind of yelling or coaching loud or being generally like being upset, but wanting to do better than not than being kind of more toward him? He's like, yeah. And I showed him what he's doing wrong and helped him adjust. If you think, okay, it makes sense. He's fine with it. But those situations can happen where it's a little, it feels a little more personal, but there are ways to discipline, reinforce. Um, you don't want to know intimidate. You don't want to intimidate, but to, you can be upset without being personal to get things done. And if, yeah. you, if it's a discipline part, and I'm not even talking about like, and that the things like transfer stuff where, don't lie to players like, oh, you're going to play. It's like, be reasonably honest with them about what potential playing time, what could be done. But there's no reason to be overly in their face, overly having issues with them personally, or overly attacking them personally. Like, you just freaking suck at what you're doing. It could be like, dude, that's, he could be very yelling loud. Dude, that's wrong. I've been showing you a million ways, but hey, do it this way. Or have somebody, hey, you, you're doing a great job here. Show him how to do this because, because sometimes it just takes a different way to say something or show something and yeah. you can be upset, but not be attacked. It's like, you can be like, dude, I've told you a million freaking times. What's wrong. Why don't you get this? This isn't great. But then also, but Hey, but let's try it this way. Like the Todd Graham stuff was wild and what was personal attacks, everything going on, but there's ways to do these things the proper way. But the funny thing, not funny, but ironic thing or interesting thing, I should say at the very end of this article, the Board of Regents, if they're only looking for this specific thing, they'll never find it. No criminal behavior was found. I'm like, were they looking for criminal be Like, what criminal behavior? Was it really looking for, like, physical abuse on some level or intim- intimidation? Why were, Why was that kind of made? I don't know if that was the baseline, but it said no criminal behavior was found, no rules, regulations, or policies within all the conferences why it's part of were violated, and there are no major public behavior issues that went unreported, which is good, I guess, at off part, but Matt, if looking for criminal stuff, it's you're rarely going to find that in a college campus when it's regarded to coach and player behavior. Mm-hmm. So it's 
I don't know. It's like nothing was found criminally, I guess. Like, I don't know. But it is funny that they had to put in the contract, hey, be nice to players. Just be implied to show respect and treat them at a reasonable level where, yeah, they're going to get pissed at you. You need to do things right. Oh, it was also the player thing, like including excluding players from meetings and going to his house. Wasn't that part of it too? Oh, I think. Yeah. So it's like, it's more of him being, being a big old jerk than being actually a part of it, I guess. But he also sucked mm-hmm. his job, so there's that too, right? Yeah. All right, so what about the Hawaii program? They're Timmy Chang, year two, second spring football. What is it something like you're looking forward to or kind of what we found out during spring? Because they still have their quarterback and Brandon Schrager there. Brandon Schrager. They lose a couple running backs. They didn't win that many games, but they also weren't out of many games either. So I think there's a couple of things that I thought were really interesting with the way that they approached this particular spring campaign. One, they didn't have a spring showcase. You know, they had their practices, but they didn't they didn't necessarily have a scrimmage in the same way that a lot of people, a lot of teams cap their spring practice season with. I thought that was kind of interesting. And but I did I did understand, you know, Timmy Chang's justification for it, where he just wanted to have his players sort of focus on the day-to-day process of just like incremental improvements rather than forcing anybody to like be on the spot in like situational type things or whatever, you know, however they might sort of, you know, turn a, a something like a scrimmage into something that's a little more of a showcase for certain things, certain elements of the game. I think they just wanted to try and improve across the board, which is totally understandable. Yeah. It's like having another think- practice is better possibly. Yeah, but I I think the other sort of main thing that's come out of their spring practice sessions are the fact that they are definitely moving back to the run and shoot. Yeah, do it. Which, again, still very much a work in progress. But you mentioned that they do have Shager coming back as their quarterback, likely to be QB1 in the fall. So then then the question becomes... What do you think is the next most important thing to have settled well, by, the end of fall, by the end of fall practices? Like, is is it the offensive line, which is losing a ton of starters? Is it the pass catching group, which is you know it returns some some players like you know Jonah Pinoke, Kuali Nishigaya, but you know at the same time you know Zion Bones is gone, um, and there are you know there's a lot of, of targets from last year that are going to have to go somewhere. And that, yeah, that's one of the big things that they're going to figure out. So I guess maybe between those two things, just based off of your your sort of experience as a viewer of the run and shoot offense, which of those do you think is the more important question to settle moving forward? Uh, I want to lean toward wide receiver because run and shoot, they get rid of the ball pretty quickly. So... I could see, I can make an argument for both because running shoot you need a deep wide receiver group because you're going minimum four wide typically you might have running back occasionally um, you do run the ball a little bit with the draw plays or QB design runs so offensive line is helpful in that respect but I would lean toward receiver because you need more receivers you do offensive linemen essentially mm-hmm. not well well I guess well, it's weird to say you play five offensive linemen you may play four to five receivers but I think depth wise to find talent because linemen gonna play the what 80% of the game starters. But I think if you're passing the ball that many times, you have enough pass catchers to get the ball. And they already mm-hmm. have the quarterback in place. So that's half about half of it. I, I guess I'd lean that way, but again, if he if Schrager's getting harassed all night, then who cares how good your pass catchers are if you can't catch a break and unload the have to unload the ball in like two seconds or quicker. Yeah, I mean, I do think that at least on paper right now. You could make a case that the the offensive line looks like it could be at least a little more stable, or at a minimum, they're bringing back a little bit more from last year. Like, yeah, they're they're they have four starters that are gone, but you know, Solo Vipulu is back. He's got over forty career starts. Um, you know, they also have you know role players back like Eliki uh, Tanabasa, Sergio Muasau, who you know saw most of their playing time at center last year. So, like, that's an important thing to have squared away. And that was one of the units where they really hit the transfer portal hard as well. You know, they brought in, you know, at least, uh, you know, I, you know, at least one guy, Josh Atkins from Houston, who could step up, you know, Maurice Tala is still around. I think, 
while they still have to sort through all their options, I think, you know, that unit is maybe a little bit further along. I would wager, if only because, you know, one of the things that really plagued, you know, the, the offense last year, other than injuries, you know, obviously losing Bowens for a time, losing Pinocchio for a time to, to injury wasn't a, a good thing. But what, one of the things that really stood has stood out from you know the research that I've been doing in this early part of the offseason, their pass catchers really struggled with drops last year. That's and I think that if you're running yeah, to shoot, that's it is a problem. And so I think that I would tend to agree with your assessment that you know the 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 what the pass catching unit is probably the more important thing to, to sort out sooner rather than later. If only because you know not only do you need a legion of pass catchers in the first place, but you need to make sure that they know sort of like the the read and react nature of you know what it means to be a, a run and shoot pass catcher. Um, but at the same time, you know, they also need to make sure that they're, you know, catching passes when they're thrown that way. You know, like, for example, you know, one of the, the guys who's coming back, you know, Tamatoa Mokiao uh, Atimalala, he had 31 targets last year, but he also had six drops. And 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 I don't I don't say that to pick on him too. Like, you know, like Jonah Pinocchio had three drops on 40 targets. Uh, Jalen Walt Hall had you know three drops on 50 targets. So like they were all above 10%, which had an impact on Shager's ability to perform. Like, you know, his numbers, at least uh, at first glance, don't look like they're terribly impressive. But I would say that you know his his receivers definitely didn't do him, you know, some favors here and there. And so I think, you know, being able to, you know, get everybody on the same page is is definitely going to be like one of those things where it's a, a rising tide. Where, you know, if they solve one thing, it's going to solve more than one thing. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, case in, case in point, Braden Shager, you know, his drop rate last year was 14%. And I believe among all the all, and I'm looking this up as I talk, among the quarterbacks who threw at least a hundred pass attempts last year, I believe that figure was far and away the highest in the conference. The only other quarterback that was above ten percent was Doug Brumfield at UNLV, and that was ten point nine percent. So. I think that sort of you know justifies that point where like if if the pass catchers can get you know their feet under them, uh, you know exactly. get their you know their hands in place, you know get in the right mindset to be able to make the correct decisions when they're out running routes, you know Hawaii could go from you know an offense that you know you know it was you know had some promise here and there, but it definitely sputtered more often than it didn't to one that could be you know very dangerous and if they can hit the ground running. Yeah, it'll be it's both. If one will help the other, because if you get rid of the ball quicker, offensive line and if you catch offensive line's gonna be seen as fine because you get the completion that they block a lot well and give them time to throw to receivers who take a second to get open more or something, but it still comes down to catch. You gotta catch the ball. Regardless, if you're dropping the ball, it's not gonna matter if offensive line's good or not. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm thinking leaning toward receiver would be they're all it's all important, but I think moving the ball. You can't move the ball through offensive line all that much. It's, you got to catch the ball, run the ball, and do it. So, but the run and shoot <laughs> coming back is great because it'll give Schrager a chance to run because that's part of the run and shoot in the name, run and shoot. You can run the ball, draw plays. They'll be more aggressive, and it's an offense that's not out there. So Timmy Chain can hopefully get closer because last year they had a couple one score games where they might be a bit more competitive this year. But they also need on the other side of the ball defense has been they always had the occasional. It's going to be positions here or there to where, okay, they're good at this part of defense, like maybe a linebacker, maybe a secondary type player, but it's going to run and shoot will impact the defense in a way because they're going to want to go to remove the ball fast. Obviously it's like we've mentioned a million times before. If you're like Mike Leach offense when he was coaching and when he was obviously around and knowing with us, his team, he would go super fast and his defense could be drained by a long play drive where defense is out there 10 play drive against other team offense goes out goes three three and out four and out they're back out there in like literally two minutes of action after being on the field for 10 minutes of play clock maybe 25 minutes of real time 
that's mm-hmm. going to need, they're going to need the offense to help the defense because the defense has never been like really elite recently. And so they got to get that defense conditioned. Well, they got to find good talent out there and the offense is going to have to have not lengthy drives, but going three and out quickly is not going to help the defense. It could show some uh, deficiencies or issues they may have if the offense just can't move the ball, which is yeah. on par for any team. But if they're going that fast, that's a problem. Yeah, I would agree. So replacing guys in defense that last year and getting new new faces in there. If nothing, like you mentioned last year, they're going to be interesting as they always are and evolving the run and shoot. Because are, are there? I don't think there's any any team out there that does all run and shoot. You may look at, um, I assume Mississippi State will keep with Zach Arnett, the head coach. They'll probably keep that there when Leach is around um, before obviously passing away. Like I think that's going to stay similar. Texas Tech and Joey McGuire probably going to swing the ball around like they always do because that's their brand. But there's not a ton of teams that are going four wide a lot. I know Tennessee went to p- tempo, but they're not going four wide. They're not going five wide all the time. There's very few teams that have that type of identity. And it's like it's almost a reverse of the triple option where nobody runs it. So it's how do you defend against it if you don't see it very often? Mm-hmm. Let's try to think. Are there any teams that do? I don't like, I know Eastern Washington kind of does. Um, I don't no, know. I mean, the last that- team to do it extensively was when uh, when Washington State. Had Nick Rolovich yeah. as the head coach. Yeah, yeah, and they they throw the ball a lot, but the tradition, true run and shoot was back when Rolovich was at Wire Wazoo. So there you go. Yeah. So hopefully, it figure things out and work. So, anything else to add about the Warriors football program? Uh, no, I think we're Bring good stuff. for now. All right, do we need to do a combine draft stuff, or do we want to save that for another time? Yeah, we can save it for another time. We'll save it for another week. So we do have some. I'll just put a quick tease. Matt put up a. A, was it mockable? Is that the website you use? Mock draftable. Mock draftable. So he put out seven comps of Mountain West players from the combine last week. And I don't know who the highest Mountain West draft play, Mountain West player will be drafted, but we'll look over those mockable, mock draftable, excuse me, comps from guys like Tyreek Jones, Jay Kaner, Jalen Cropper, a few guys like that. And there's some good names in there. So we'll have some fun with that. And we will look at, I guess, kind of put together maybe some rankings because it's draft season for us here because basketball is getting close to being done. The draft is what the last week of April, first week of May, Matt, is that correct? Mm-hmm. So we'll get into stuff. Um, I do like your Kyle Patterson in there, Air Force tight end. So we'll see how that goes when we discuss that. But yeah, we'll get some draft stuff going on next week. And I guess, I guess we need, oh, I also need, I, I don't want to say I guess because it sounds like I'm putting him to the side, but beat Alabama, San Diego State next week. So let's get a team to the final four. We'll first time ever crossed. if it happens. Because it's a, it's a real possibility. So we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, we'll be back next time. MWR.com to check out all of our basketball coverage for San Diego State since we're the last team standing. Uh, and then also uh, football, football, draft stuff. And we'll – Matt, it's clo- we're getting reasonably close to our top 50 countdown and our season previews. Just putting it out there. That, uh, that's still like three months away. <laughs> It'll be here before we know it, man. That's true. It's almost April. And yet, I'm staring at my weather app. 35 degrees and potential for heavy snow the next couple of days. So maybe not. Maybe not that close. <laughs> All in good time. Good time. All right, we'll be back next time. And again, mwr.com, and we'll see you then.